It's really great to see you here. You know, we're going to uh, do a sum up on our on our um, series that we've been doing, which is a series on discipleship. So we've dealt with a lot of material over the last uh, few weeks, and um, we need to bring it together and and pay some a little more attention on on what. what but when I, as I was preparing this. I became aware that God was actually speaking to me and speaking to me about discipleship in terms of our hearts before God and that he was calling us back to himself. Uh, discipleship can be uh, an interesting thing. When you talk about discipleship, when you talk about learning about being a disciple and, or being a disciple, we can get caught into the, the, the groove which is, you, this is about information, knowing the right information and knowing the right process and and just talking about the information to people who are coming to faith in Jesus. That could be, nothing could be further from the truth. It really doesn't have its premise in information. Discipleship has its premise in a relationship with Jesus, not in the accruement of knowledge. So while it's important to understand the knowledge behind why it is we are disciples and what disciples do and what disciples are, the premise of being a discipleship of Jesus is an invitation to join him in life, an invitation from him to join him to become one with him and walk through life with him. That's an interesting idea because everything else pales to insignificance when it comes to a dynamic of relationship with Jesus. You can have all the information and you can have all the ideas and the doctrines down pat and still not have a relationship with Jesus. You can spend years in studying, you can have a doctorate in theology and still not have a relationship with Jesus. You can argue dichotomy, trichotomy, you can argue points of Christology and pneumatology, you can argue all you like through the word of God and still not have a relationship with Jesus. So the issue is not the what you know about. The issue is who you know and how you know him. And it must be so broad that the most young person here is able to engage with Jesus to the oldest person here. It must be the opportunity of every person here to engage with Jesus in a dynamic and so I want to talk to you about that because I think it's important that you understand. Yes, we've talked about salvation. And when we talk about salvation, we talked about the fact that you're aware of your true condition before God and you recognize that you needed to be saved. We discussed that, that you're broken and Jesus came to fix you, came to fix you and you are aware of your brokenness before him. And because you are broken, you recognize that you're in a deep, dangerous situation before Almighty God, Holy God. And salvation is premised upon your understanding of knowing that. But the experience of salvation is an experience of faith and trust by which you put your trust in Jesus as your saviour. Not that you know that you are broken. Yes, you realise you are broken, but you put your trust in your saviour. And you rely upon him. Which is not information based. It's life based. 
We have the assurance then because he communicates to us that he loves us and that he has accepted us, that he has forgiven us from our sin, he has shown us mercy. We have the assurance in our life that because we have expressed faith in him and trust him as a person, he gives us the awareness and the assurance that we are now safe with him. We have significance with him and we are secure with him and that is not information-based, that's felt before it is told. The Spirit of God testifies with our spirit. He communicates with us inside and says, you're okay now. I made it okay. I made it right. That's an experience. Oh, you can learn about it. We can talk about it. We can talk about the provenient grace of God and how he came to you way before you even knew about God and how he got to you and started to move you through your life so that you could come to a place where you could understand that you were broken and how he moved in your life by the Holy Spirit. And you can discuss all the ways that he did it, but he did it. And that's the point. He did it. And you encountered that. You encountered that experience. It's an experience. It's, a, it's something that you felt. It's something that you experienced in God. And if you're sitting here without an experience of God, I fear for you because God wants you to experience Him. And we talked about the Word of God. We talked about how we come to the Word. And Jesus is the Word of God, the living Word of God. We talked about how we can come to the Word of God and how we read the Word of God. And how when as we're reading, the, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and enlivens to it and He speaks to us. And we talked about how this is a dynamic of communion, a communicating with God through the Word of God. But you can read the Word of God and you can read black words on white pages and you can read them till the cows come home at night and still get nothing from it if you're not experiencing God in the process. Discipleship is not a a bulk of information that you learn to tell somebody else about it. It's an experience that you share with someone else. It's Johnny coming to Jesus through the voice of somebody else who knows Jesus. It's an experience. We looked at prayer and we talked about how prayer is that communion of heart with God and how when we pray, we find ourselves talking to him and he's sharing with him and opening up our hearts before him and that dynamic of, you know, but we can reduce prayer to the dynamic of the intelligence prayer. We can... Say the Lord's Prayer over and over and over and over again, thinking that by saying the Lord's Prayer over and over and over and over again that we're somehow moving God. And God is not moved by your ability to recite Scripture to Him. He's not moved by your ability to say meaningless prayers over and over and over again as though the weight of praying is going to move Him. The thing that moves God's heart is the sincerity, the humility, and the reality of your request to him. It's the simplicity of the Lord save me that is far away. Oh, ubiquitous God in heaven who is mighty and strong, save me. It's just the simplicity of a heart that reaches out to God and says, God, I need you. I need you. I come to you now. I need you. And while we can talk about prayer and while we can discuss prayer and while we can speak about prayer and teach on prayer, there's nothing like the experience of praying to set you free, to help you commune with God. 
And we talked, we've talked about baptism, how we discovered that baptism was an outward symbol of coming into the body of Christ, where we, we're saying to people around us, you know, this relationship with Jesus that I have is so dynamic that, you know, my old life has gone completely now. And I've been raised up to a new life in Jesus. And I'm going to live this new life. What you're doing in baptism, you're speaking about what happened in experience with God. Oh, we could discuss the routine of baptism and talk about sprinkling and talking about, you know, all the things that accompany baptism in the church today. And we could give you a degree in understanding baptism, but it still won't tell anything, anybody about what's really happened when you went there and got baptized and the experience of following Jesus in obedience. See, we tend to, in our society, tend to make things a lot more complicated than they really are because we think that knowledge is the way to attain righteousness. You don't attain righteousness through knowledge. Righteousness comes by faith in Jesus. It comes through an experience, not through a degree or a doctrine. It comes through you stretching out and responding to Jesus. We talked about how baptism oftentimes brings us at the beginning of our walk and brings us into a fellowship of people. And we discovered that we've got brothers and sisters who are not biological brothers and sisters, but are nevertheless brothers and sisters in Christ. That we're all born of one blood, And that blood is the blood of Jesus. And we are all together in one family because, and that's an experience. Now we can write a book and I have read books on the dynamic of the fellowship of God's body. And we can discuss the kononia, the word and and how it should be. And we can can cut down the details of how fellowship should really be. But unless you experience what it's like to be part of God's body in in fellowship, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Because this is an experience. Discipleship is living in an experience with God, in fellowship with God. We discussed the Holy Spirit And we talked about how the Holy Spirit brings you the words of Jesus and communicates the words of Jesus to us and testifies about our our, our condition before him. We talked about who the Holy Spirit is. He's the person of God and how he speaks to our lives and how he talks to our lives, how he convicts our lives, how he convinces us, how he wants us to follow him and to be led by the Spirit so that we don't do the things that are in their world. How he has fruit in his life where he can, if he's living within us, express that fruit through our lives. How he is laden with gifts by which which he wants to manifest his presence through our lives. And I can discuss with you and we can have exams on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine of them and all the different facets that are involved in it. We can talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and I can argue every point of those points through there. But you know, it's not about the knowledge of that thing. It's the experience of that. It's the fruit of God's Holy Spirit in me, lived out through me, that is important. It's an experience premised upon the revelation of God's word. It's what I live with Jesus. And we talked about the church, it being the body of Christ and how each one of us are members of that body. 
and that we all have a different function. And I can write a book on that. And there are books written on that. And it's church growth manuals written about that. But listen, friends, until you lift up your hand and join with the hand of another and say, you are different to me. I know you are different to me. And I am different to you. But the diversity between us should not separate us. It should help us to achieve God's goal in life. And until you experience that, you don't know anything about body ministry. It's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. It's not what you know that counts, it's how you experience what you know. All of this stuff can be a whole wealth of information that you can give to me right, right, right. But you don't come to church and you don't involve yourself with Jesus. You don't involve yourself with other people. You never read the Word of God. You don't commit yourself to prayer. You don't do anything about it. I say, well, are you a disciple? You sound like a disciple. I hear what you're saying, but my eyes don't see it because it's not lived out as a dynamic with him. Friends, we've looked at all of these things. We've looked at discipleship and understood that the discipleship process is going to take us to a place that is uncomfortable, whereby we have to mix with different people and reach out to those who don't know him. We've looked at the fact that discipleship means that I am committed to Jesus. And that's just verbal for a lot. I'm committed to Jesus. But you know what? My wife can say she's committed to me, but I know the commitment is there when I see it in action. And she knows my commitment is there to her when she sees it in action. Now we can say with our mouth, I'm committed to you, but then act like we're not committed to him. We can speak and say, I've got all the information in my head that says this is what commitment is. But when it comes to commitment lived out in the ground, it might not even be there. Can you see the problem? This stuff is not concept, intelligent concepts. Do you get what I'm saying? This is not just a mental exercise. This is the description of a life lived in harmony with God. Someone who is committed to Jesus is truly committed to Jesus. A disciple is a person who is committed to Jesus. They're obedient to his directives. You can say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm obedient, but then you live in sin and you say, well, how's that? You know, And you think, oh, no, we're all now confused about what being a Christian really is because do Christians sin? And we think, well, well, you know, we all live that way. So maybe it's... Uh, so we just come to church to do the routine thing, the thing that we all expect each other should do. But when Jesus speaks to us by the Holy Spirit and asks us to do something different and not to do the thing that we're doing, we are not committed to him and we're not obedient to him. But we've got everybody full because we attend here, raise our hands and sing songs. Friends, friends, if Jesus came back today and said to you, are you committed to me? He could look into your life and he could see your behavior and he would know, he would tell you whether you were or not. He would bring back all of those things before you and say, were you committed to me here? Were you committed? Were you following my direction here? Were you obedient to me? He would bring it all to light because his glorious light would make manifest. 
that which is hidden. And he would tell you whether you're committed to him. He would tell you whether you've accepted the obligation to suffer for your faith in Jesus, to do the hard thing, to take the committed role. He would tell you because he knows. He sees. So the discipleship thing is not a, you can't fool me. Well, you can fool me, but you can't fool him. He sees your heart, friends. He sees your heart. He knows whether you're a partner at work with him or whether you're just doing your own thing. He knows where you live. <laughs> I like that, you know, the lost sheep. Some of us today are lost sheep. We're in the fold and we bleat with the sheep, but we are lost from the sheep because our hearts are far from him. We're here in the midst of a fellowship of people who are meant to be connected together, but we don't have any sense of real connection with one another. In fact, the person sitting beside us, we really don't even know, let alone feel some sense of connection to. Look, I get it that this is a problem in our society. I get it that our society is so fractured and so broken that it just does disengages me. I get it that we, we have not learned to trust one another. In fact, we did try to trust and we got hurt. I get that and I get that we're scared about doing this. But listen, this is about not thinking, how can I build these walls of protection my, around my life? It's about how can I be more like Jesus? How can I walk with Jesus? How can I express Jesus in these situations? That's what it's about. Look, I can get it. You can give me all the excuses you like about why you can't live a Christian life here. Friends, I get that. I can give you more. But that's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is in spite of what the world looks like. Discipleship said, I am going to walk with Jesus and live with Jesus and shine like a light in the dark place because that's what I'm called to do. That's what he wants me to do. And I can't do anything else because my friend Jesus calls me to be different. This is a passage of scripture that a friend sent me this week and I think it was timely. Read it with me. All together, if you can see it. Are you ready? One, two, three. You study the scriptures diligently. Because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. Let's put it in context so we find out what is being said. Now Jesus is speaking to some people. Who's the people he's speaking to? Pharisees. Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the day. Well, you know the Pharisee... He had it all. He had all the information that he needed. He could tell you and talk to you. He could recite books of the Old Testament. He could recite books, not just passages, books of the Old Testament. He could recite the books of Psalms and he could, he could, he could make clear you know, sermons on, on the things that are there. He would debate with people about the issues and the fine details. In fact, he knew exactly what was right and he knew exactly what was wrong and he knew exactly that his job was to take this is right and this is wrong and to let other people know what was right and what was wrong. Oh, he was powerful in terms of his understanding. 
The Pharisee, he was the leader of the day. He was the religious leader of the day. He was the one who studied the Scriptures more than anybody else. In fact, when you got up and you read the scroll in the morning, and that was a couple of verses, the day of our life scroll or something, he would have got up and he would have studied a dozen scrolls and come to the depth of the meaning of all those scrolls. And he would stand there and say, I know it all. And he would debate with you. And Jesus said, you think you know it because you've got information up your sleeve. He says, and these scriptures, they speak of me. But you do one thing wrong. You fail to come to me. So they were quite happy to grab the essence of the written word, what was their written word, and to hang on to that and under their thing. But they neglected the experience of coming to Jesus. They looked for it. They wanted it. But when he stood in front of them and said, come to me. Nah. We will hang on to what we know and avoid you. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews is written to Christians, Jewish Christians, who started off with their faith in Jesus, but what blew it back to we better get back to the old ways because we're scared of moving forward in Jesus. And the whole of the book of Hebrews is written to try and warn them not to leave the dynamic of faith, not to leave the relationship that Jesus is better than the law, that Jesus is better than the information of the old, that Jesus is not an argument, he's a person in which they can relate and have a dynamic. Friends, if you do not have a dynamic with Jesus, if you do not walk with Jesus, if he's not talking to you, if you're not being moved by him on a daily basis, if you're not praying with him, if your heart doesn't go out to him, if you are fighting and rebelling against him, you don't know Jesus. You're pretending. Your heart has to be connected with him. So much that he's the lover of your soul. He's the core of your being. Without him, you would die. He's the oxygen you breathe. It's not just information about the Bible. You don't just come here to get another sermon. You come here to meet with your brothers and sisters and to both join together with arms lifted high and say, Jesus, you are awesome in wonder. And we are here because you called us here. What do you want us to do? Coming to Jesus had an interesting idea. People that really came to Jesus and that the Bible referred to as coming to Jesus had a sort of a, a worshipful attitude when they come to him. These are the people who really met Jesus. At the very beginning, if you take the, the wise men, remember they had been searching in the scrolls, wherever they come from. I don't know where they come from, maybe some other place. But they've been searching in the scrolls and they saw a star in the east. And they knew, somehow they knew that the Messiah of the world, that God in the flesh was going to be born in Bethlehem. So they had received that revelation and they went on a journey for some time. I think he was the, the 
Jesus was about two years old when they came to him. Was that, that's about right, about two when they came to him. So they went on a long journey following the star. Why did they come to Jesus? The Bible says quite clearly they came to worship him. They came to worship him. They didn't come to have a look, to have a see, to try something out. They had this passion on the inside. They had studied and everything that they had studied had pointed to the fact that this star that they had watched in the east, when that was shining down, they had it some astronomical way of viewing it, was going to bear down and the person that it was going to bear down on was supposed to be the son of God. And they sought him out with this attitude of worship. Here this child and they get down on their faces and they give him gifts. And they worship him. For the very beginning, people coming to Jesus. But notice how they come to Jesus. This is attitude. Awesome attitude. This is God in the flesh. Yeah, we come to church. But are you coming to Jesus when you come to church? Are you coming to Jesus? During the week, has there been a star in the east that's come over and said, I long to be at his feet and to worship him. And it's drawing you. And on a Sunday when you come together, your fellowship come together, you follow the star through the week to come to speak and to worship God on the Sunday, to lay gifts at his feet. There's that attitude there. This heart. We sang a song today. It says, "He is all my desire." Uh, we sang that, and I thought, you know, is it really? I said, "This is he really my all, all my desire?" Because I know there's lots of other desires in me. Well, that's the test. You see, sometimes we sing songs and say words that don't reflect the truth of our heart, that reflect the song. And we sing it with everybody else. And we think, oh, that was lovely. It got all nice and right. Listen, and God sits back and in, the, in, in I think it's Isaiah or one of the other prophets, he says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Friends, the lover of your soul is in the room here with you. And he can see where your eyes are looking. The lover of your soul is here and he says to you, press in, don't look at the things around you. Press in and press on and the things around you that distract will always be there. We got in a prophetic word this morning. Press in, get your eyes on me, I'm the one. He's calling you to commune with him today. We get a scripture read to us of his awesome, majestic nature. And they says, he gives strength to his people. He gives majesty to his people. He's saying, I'm here. I'm ready to commune with you. Are you coming to commune with me or just to sit in a pew? This is a heart matter. Discipleship is a heart matter. It's a heart issue. It's the issue of your love, your love for God and your love for fellow man. In Matthew chapter 8, We read these, And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, 
If you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Here's another man coming to Jesus. Notice his attitude. His attitude is one of worship. He's worshiping God. He's saying, God, you are the truth. He knows this about Jesus. I want you to get into the leper's skin if you can. Where is the leper? He's probably living by himself outside the confines of the community. How did he get there? What has his leprosy done to him? Well, it's, he's come home one day from work and he's looked at his body and there on his body he's found a white spot. He's gone to the priest of the day and the priest of the day says, oh, that's leprosy. And so he's been cast out from his relationship. He lost relationship at that, progno- at that diagnosis. He lost relationship. He lost his wife and he lost his kids. He was put out of town and he was put into another place where other people with broken bodies hung out together. Now he rang a bell or he shouted, unclean, 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 and people stayed away from him. He lost community. He got sores develop on him. He started to lose feelings in his arms and his legs because that's one of the things that happens. You lose feelings. There's insensitivity in his life now. He doesn't feel the sensitivity of touch. He's incapable of understanding when he's touching something hot. He's lost the feelings and nerve endings have gone. His muscle tone is weakened now. And he's losing his power and he's losing his strength. He's outside community. He's separated. Friend, we have spiritual lepers in this place today. Spiritual lepers. You've lost the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit's touch. You touch sin and it doesn't burn you anymore. You've lost your vision. You've lost your vision. You've lost your power. You've lost the strength of your life. You still, you don't say unclean. You sit here and you hope that no one will see, but the sores are on you. Spiritually, you're a leper. The thing is, you're not calling out to Jesus. If you will, you can make me clean. You live with the leprosy. You're happy to be a leper. The Holy Spirit calls you, says, look, you know, when we have a gap in our lives, when, there is, when we see a gap in our lives, when we see something that's not right in our lives, what the Holy Spirit does, he says, come to me. He says, come to me. What we tend to do is when we see a gap in our lives, we just tend to pretend, we cover it, we we. we you know, I wore a long shirt today because I was shifting birds this week and, and I, I, I got a bit excited and made some cuts on my arms, you know? You see, cuts and stuff. So I wear a long shirt so that I don't sorry the cuts. You know, we tend to do that. We've got, we get scratches and marks from, from, the, from the stuff that we're getting involved with during the week. So we wear a long shirt to cover it up so no one sees it. We try and pretend that we're not broken. But we suffer. We lost the feeling. We lost the dynamic. We lost this touch. And Jesus says to us, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. You know, I love that passage of Scripture because the Scripture says very clearly, he came to Jesus, he worshipped Jesus because he knew what Jesus could do. He had a heart towards Jesus. And Jesus was moved by that. 
And the Bible tells us that he stretched out and he touched the man. He says, I am willing. He broke the law. You shouldn't touch an unclean person. Then he said, be clean. Friends, your friend Jesus stands here and says, you've got brokenness, you've got spiritual leprosy. Call to me. Call to me. If you've lost the dynamic of your relationship with Jesus and your heart has grown cold and you've lost the sensitivity that you once had, he says, call to me. He says, come to me. Let me fix it up for you. I will touch you even though you are unclean. I will pour out my spirit onto you and I will quicken you and make you whole again. Come to me, he says. Come to me. This is the moment that we come to him. Discipleship is walking with Jesus once we have come to him. It's not information. It's dynamic of life. It's a walk with the Holy Spirit. If you look at Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 20, 28, we, got the, we told the story about a woman who's been 12 years with her menstrual cycle. No, oh, that's a shame. Don't, you, know, you, talk, you, you don't talk about those things. Yucky things. So she's kind of embarrassed. You know, she's not going to walk around and say, you know what, I've had, I've had a period for 12 years, nonstop. She's not going to say it. In fact, no one will know. She'll go through life and she will secretly hunt out, try and find something to fix up the core of her problem. But she'll find nobody to fix up the core of her problem because she spent all that she had looking for a solution. She couldn't find a solution. She was stuck. She was ashamed and too ashamed to mention whatever had happened. She snuck up behind Jesus, snuck up behind Jesus, couldn't come to his face, snuck up behind him. But she was saying as she came to him, if I but touch the hem of your garment, you will make me well. She came worshipping him. She came full of love. She came full of expectation. She came to Jesus in her shame and in her despair. She snuck up behind him and she touched the hem of his garment. And he said, who touched me? Why? It wasn't about information. It was about her relationship with Almighty God. And he did something to fix it up. God is calling us today not to just learn information about what discipleship is. He is calling us into the dynamic of the discipleship walk with him to touch his heart and to be with him, to walk with him. He's calling us today. He's speaking to us today. Come to me. Come to me, he's saying. Some of you are spiritual levels and you've been spiritual levels for a long time. Some of you have got shameful things that you dare say to anybody because you're so ashamed of them and you're sneaking around, you feel less than anything. Listen to me now. Jesus loves you. There is no one here that is insignificant before God. He loves you so profoundly. He came to speak to you today. He's here right now to touch your life and to change it. Amen? In all relationships, you have to work at things. I don't think any relationship is easy. If you thought that once you got married, young people, it was going to be blissful. Like the, the nightingales would sing, the blackbird would wake you in the morning, 
the cool breeze of love would blow upon your life and everything in life would be rosy from that time on because you had found your love and your love would lay, lay with you in bed at night time. You would wake up and you'd have breakfast together and you'd go through life feeling the beauty of what it is to be one with another human being in this life. It's called idealistic expectations. We counsel against it. Because the reality is, unless you work at your relationships, you will lose your relationship. There is absolutely no free lunch when it comes to the dynamic of relationships. If I don't work in my life with Jenny and Jenny doesn't work and she has to do a lot of work with me, I'll tell you, if she doesn't work with me, we wouldn't have something together. Look, I know that in life sometimes breaches and breaks in relationship take place. But listen, it still doesn't mean that you don't work in relationships. Jesus ordained that you have to work in relationships. He said it because he said, iron sharpeneth iron. So man sharpens the man. It's the very fact that somebody different to you is living with you makes you change somewhat to alter your life somewhat. Obviously for the better, we hope. And so why should it be that way in humanity and not that way in our relationship with Jesus? Why is it that you think that you have to work in your relationships with your fellow man, but in terms of your relationship with God, you can just leave that and it will look after itself? It won't look after itself. And we're warned very clearly. We're warned that we have to pay attention to it. In Revelation chapter 2, there are a number of churches that are mentioned there that, that Jesus has some. Let's say there's only one church in, the, in, the, in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 that, that gets an amendment before God and there's no actual statement about you know, them fix anything up. And that church was just about annihilated through persecution. But to the first church, the church of Ephesus, which is the dynamic church, it was started by Paul and run by Timothy, and that was a dynamic church. And you read the book of Ephesians, Ephesians and you think, whoa, that church really got some stuff going for it. And you read what he says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Jesus is sitting there and saying, we used to court one day. We used to go on dates together. We would feel the warmth of each other's heart and feel a connection together. But you've become too busy for me now. My heart yearns for you. I want to go on a date with you again and you're nowhere to be found. The first love. The first love. The dynamic of, oh, I'm so excited I have a friend called Jesus. I'm so excited I have this new walk. I'm so excited I've experienced sins forgiven. I'm so excited I've been born into a family. This wonderful first love is all of a sudden dwindled to a duty, to a routine. To get up in the morning, do your stuff, you know, read the word for the day. If you've got time, get out and do the rest. And Jesus is the dog that you pat when you come home. He's not the one who walks with you and leads you through life. The first love. 
Got to work at relationships. Everybody turn to their neighbour and say, work at relationships. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That, that's the hard one, hey? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30 says these words. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Read it with me. Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says to you today, come. Come, you spiritual lepers, come. You lost that sensitivity a long time ago. Your heart went cold. You just did the thing that you normally do to keep up the impression. He says to you, come, come. You people who think you've got something so shameful, you have to sneak up on the back of Jesus and touch the hem of your garment. He says, come, sneak up, sneak up. Come. Don't sit playing church. Enter into this dynamic. God so wants to touch you. He so wants to meet you. He wants to exchange his strength for your weakness. He wants to carry the load and walk with you through life. He did not ask you to be alone. Come to Jesus. So I'm going to give you an opportunity now to come to Jesus. I want you to stand. I'm moving this out of the way because I want you to come and I want you to stand at the front if God has spoken to your heart. If you felt the cool wind of the icy, sinful life blowing upon you and you've lost the touch of the fervency of God's grace in your life, I want you to come. We want to be disciples. We want to disciple people. And to do that, we need to come to the discipler, Jesus, and allow him to touch our lives. Okay, if God has spoken to you today, just come. Just come. Step out and come. And we'll pray for you.
just keep coming. You know, the God, God is talking to you by the Holy Spirit. You can come to him now or you can dismiss him. If he's speaking to your heart, you need to respond to him. Don't dismiss the work of the Holy Spirit. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You come to him. This is not about Mark. This is not about me. This is not about anybody else. This is about Jesus. This is about getting in touch with the discipler. Being one with Jesus. Okay, guys. Look at girls. Look at me. Jesus loves you. He cares so much about you all. He knows what you've been going through. He understands the pain and he understands the shame and he understands the brokenness and he understands the hardness of your heart. And he's framed this message today for you to let you know that he loves you and he has not quit on you, that you can come back to him and he will reinvigorate you and give you life again. Let's pray and ask him to do that. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Hold each other's hands. Please pray with us now. You stretch your hand out and ask God's blessing on these lives that they would re-engage with Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now in my brokenness. I confess my fault to you, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all of my sin. Cleanse my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Teach me, guide me every day. Help me to shine for you and to love you most. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, open up my life to your word. Teach me, instruct me, and help me to obey so that I am yours and you are mine. I give myself to you. Again, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I pray for these now in Jesus' name and ask that you would quicken them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, keep your hand upon them and as they go into this week, Father, be so real to them. Let them feel the sense of your presence with them, Father. From the moment, Lord Jesus, they step out of this place, the devil will be trying to undermine them and take them away again. Father, we bind that work of the enemy now in Jesus' name and we covet, Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit's flame about them, Father. The wall of fire about them to keep them passionate for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, as they have rededicated their lives to you, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would then be great disciples for you, Lord Jesus, to bring others to you, Father, to shine your light to those around them, Father. Give them boldness today, I pray, Lord Jesus, to be everything that you want them to be. We ask in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.
I love you very much. God bless you. Amen. I trust that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart about the importance of moving into Him and hearing Him and speaking with Him and enjoying His presence and enjoying a relationship with Him. He is so desirous to walk with you through life. He has so many wonderful plans prepared for you. If you were to, if you were to put them down in front of you, the Bible tells you you wouldn't even conceive what God has prepared for you. But he will reveal it to you by his spirit. And I, I just want to encourage you to press into Jesus this week. Amen? To press into him. Find yourself somewhere to go to pray this afternoon. To pray by yourself, you know. To spend some time with Jesus just to talk to him and to, to commune with him and to lay it out before Jesus. Refresh that communion with him. Find some place maybe at the regional prayer meetings this evening to, to commune and connect with other people and to pray with other people. Follow him today. Follow him this week. Don't get distracted by the things that will distract you. There are plenty of things that will set themselves up and lure you to watch them, lure you to read them. Take your time out. Get out from the world and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. He wants to communicate with you this week. Follow him hard. Amen. And then come back next week and tell us what happened. Amen. God bless you. Love you all in Jesus' name. God bless you.